Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast, coming to you in the aftermath of a very wet and wild Russian Grand Prix. My name is Graham, and joining me as always today, it is... Uh, my good friend, my the one and only, the uh, I, I I can't think of anything this week. It's Luke Holmes. <laughs> Damn it! That's, that's two weeks in a row you've done that now. Um, I'm, I'm sort of like thinking you don't like me as much. You just sort of putting words out that just try and make me feel good, but they'd actually make me feel dead inside. Well, first of all, it's not two weeks in a row. I had the you were Derby County's administrator last week. <laughs> oh yes, but it's two. It's two out of three podcasts then. Yeah. I might have to write. I might start writing down stuff and then like just read off a list each week. I, I do my research. You need to do yours. You do. I I accept that. <laughs> I accept that challenge. <laughs> so, anyways, we're back. It's been uh, yeah. Oh, there's obviously a lot to talk about with the Russian Grand Prix. But before we get into any of that, just very quickly, the news on the week. Really, only two real items of note. The first of which will take about five seconds. It is the uh, Haas announced this week that they're retaining their lineup of uh, of uh, Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin for 2022. Not really news because we knew this was going to be the direction they were taking, but it just seemed as though it it's it, from the reports out there. It just seemed that the Ferrari Mick Schumacher stuff was what kind of took a little bit longer to put in place to uh, announce this. Yeah, obviously Mazepin was secured in that seat. He's probably secured in that seat for life. Let's be real. As long as his dad's got some money, he's uh, sort of stood there, isn't he? Unless he decides to jump ship. I still think that outfit is bought by Dimitri Mazepin at some point. If Gene yeah. Haas is like, nah, this is... If they're like dead last again next year and with no way out... Well, probably Gunter would be the first one to go, but... And maybe he, maybe Gene will give it one more run, but with someone else at the helm. But I I wouldn't be surprised at some stage if that was the case. Oh, uh, I think it's twenty twenty two or bust for them, to be honest. And then uh, Dimitri will come in and save the day, and we'll have uh, Russian time in F one. <laughs> I kind of miss Russian time from F two. Not gonna lie, they were good in F two. From what I remember, bring in Markov or. Mm-hmm. Vitaly Petrov or someone like that to run the team. Can we get uh, Sergei Sorokin back? To, to be honest, there's some very good Russian drivers that aren't mm. in the F1 seats. Very good Russian drivers. Especially so. the endurance outfits, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Kavir obviously springs to mind for the experienced, mm. most recent experienced. Uh, the other bit of news from the week was that um, this kind of came out of nowhere. I was, I was surprised mm. when I saw this, but... Uh, Aston Martin hired former uh, McLaren team principal Martin Whitmarsh to be, uh, so I'm reading from race fans, Aston Martin has hired Whitmarsh to serve as group CEO for its Aston Martin Performance Technologies division. In addition to his F1 responsibilities, Whitmarsh will also be involved in marketing the group's products and capabilities across different industries. And there's a quote from Lawrence Stroll. It says, Martin will enjoy senior leadership responsibility and will assist and support me in setting the new strategic direction for Aston Martin Performance Technologies and its subsidiaries. Uh, uh, so that is the quote from Lawrence Stroll. 
apparently as well, in addition to that, uh, with Marsh, tasks will include in transforming the team into, quote, into a Formula One World Championship winning organization within the next four to five years and evolving it into a one billion business over a similar period. Okay, that's a tad ambitious. Let's be real. This is the guy that took McLaren from the front to the midfield, if we do remember correctly. Uh, the Another quote from, from uh, Stroll uh, is, Martin has enjoyed a long, successful and high-profile career spanning the motorsport, automotive, aerospace, marine and renewable energy sectors. Moreover, he is a proven winner in Formula One. He is therefore the ideal person for the job of working with me and our senior management team to lead and inspire our workforce to future success both on and off the track. And uh, Whitmarsh himself, uh, quote, is utterly convinced, end quote, of uh, Stroll's objective of becoming world championship contenders by 2026, which is, in his eyes, a quote, an entirely achievable aim. And then Whitmarsh goes on to say, I've known and admired Lawrence for many years, Sure. And I've always been extremely impressed by his formidable business acumen and his seemingly inexhaustible uh, ambition. Equally, I have always respected Team Silverstone, if I can call it that, which has often punched above its weight under its various under its pr- various previous incarnations and which now has the weight with which to punch harder than ever before. I know what it takes to win the Formula One and inspired by Lawrence's leadership and backed by the skill, passion and resolve of the workforce, I intend to do whatever I can to make sure that our team becomes the winning operation that Lawrence is determined that it should be. Sure. So uh, <laughs> some some great quotes to look back on when or if this falls flat on its face. It's when. It's going to fall flat <laughs> on its face. It's Aston Martin. They were too busy talking about and crying about everybody else and not focusing on what they're doing and hiring a blind driver, but we'll get to that. <laughs> so, yeah, those are the real two pieces of news from the week. So, yeah, again, I, I always liked Martin uh, Whitmarsh as a character. So I mean, he had a tough task to take over after Ron Dennis uh, stepped away after 2007, I believe. Yes. So, but obviously, yeah. So he did oversee their decline, but also did oversee Hamilton's championship charge. So there is that to be to be said. And uh, yeah, not much more than that. <laughs> no. no. So let's uh, let's mosey on. Let's see if there are any other uh, Martin Whitmar- Whitmarsh uh, stories. <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, no. That's not <laughs> we'll move on to the Russian Grand Prix itself. One which was won very late on by Lewis Hamilton for his 100th Grand Prix victory out of Max Verstappen and Carlos Sainz in third, but that doesn't even nearly begin to tell the story of uh, of of that race. Uh, let's let's just jump into winners and losers. And I know he didn't win the race, but let, let's talk about Lando Norris. Start uh, the weekend. Who, yeah, got the job done in qualifying as conditions shifted from wet to dry very late on. Norris was the one that uh, didn't get himself on pole position. A pole position that's definitely been been coming a couple of times mm. this season he's scratched he's come very close Imola even though the lap time was deleted he was very close then Austria where he was I believe 500 or so was something very very close yeah and to Verstappen that particular day and he was looking right on the pace at Spa having gone quickest I believe in Q1 and Q2 before his accident so really this you can't say this was a surprise no it's, it's been coming for a long time this season so I was surprised it happened 
there of mm. all places, but yeah, he was he was on point in them conditions, wasn't he? I thought honestly, the drivers that had switched the slicks had cocked it up, but they got the two laps in to warm the tires up, and it it worked out in the end for all three of them that magically did it. Yeah, uh, Norris sorry ahead of Sainz and then ahead of Russell. Then who's could, could you imagine heading into this season that you would have said on two occasions? George Russell would have that car in the top three in qualifying. Not once, but twice. Yeah. And one of them will be in the dry. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely wild. But look, once the race got going, Norris... I, look, starting pole in Russia is a blessing and a curse because, you know, yes, it was great for him to secure his maiden pole, but he, it could not have come at a worse track where... We know pole position comes under fire. Uh, strangely enough, it was actually second place on the grid. I actually got the jump rather than I was I thought maybe Russell might get a good launch down into uh, into turn one. To be fair, there's a few drivers in contention heading down there in the end, but uh, science got the jump on Norris. I'm kind of just thinking in the aftermath, how different possibly could the complexion of this race have been had Norris cleared or at least stayed ahead of science? Do you reckon? It would have been a lot easier. I think he'd have been able to manage it a lot more, manage mm. the pace, and not been uh, killing his tyres. But to be fair to him, he managed his tyres really well in that first stint. Very well, in fact. I thought they managed that race really, really well. We obviously saw McLaren in a position where they were leading the race one and two in Monza. They handled that day extremely well it seemed like they're handling it again extremely well on the day itself that once Norris did got by science there a bit of a gap formed after behind science Russell kind of playing the cork in the bottle there kind of allowed Norris and science to kind of run up the road a bit and kind of that was the gap that was you know Norris was managing that second part of the race and like yeah Hamilton was catching but once he caught he got to that like 1.5 1.2 kind of range and it didn't it seemed as though Norris was kind of I don't want to say in control but like I say he was managing wasn't he mm. I don't think Lewis would have been able to get closer unless Lando made a mistake we kind of wondered when like when Ricardo won in Monza the one of the kind of musings we had was if Norris was in that situation would he have handled the pressure and we both kind of thought maybe maybe not Mm. that's what we kind of thought at the time but like you say he definitely was able to handle the pressure at the front and yeah he, 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 look honestly he done everything right really I do feel for him in the sense that I do wonder how much Ricardo could have helped if McLaren hadn't had their very slow stop for him because he, Ricardo I think was coming out in front of Hamilton and yeah. at the 8.9 second stop or so this do we know if it was chalked up to this these these new pit stops that we've had to, you know, the more human element to these stops that have that has come in recently? I don't know, but there was a hell of a lot of slow stops, hell of a lot. Mm. I don't I don't understand why they've suddenly gone from being sub two second stops or around two second stops for most teams to suddenly, on average, we're getting like four, four. second stops. Uh, Perez was eight. Although to be fair, the, the, the to be fair that Perez move I think was unrelated to the 
the adjustments because I think the right mm. rear just wouldn't come off. But I'm I'm already sick of it. Like what? Like congratulations to the teams spearheaded by Mercedes. Uh, congratulations for this pit stop bullshit. You've really taken out a really fun element of uh, of F1 racing, and it's you know I, who is happy with this. I I just I I really hate the the change that is seemingly had a much larger effect than I think we could have possibly had imagined only like two, three races into it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm not liking it at all. It's uh, not a good change. I think I need to revert, but they're definitely not going to. No, I don't think, that, I don't think they will either, unless there's particular... Unless I think McLaren won those teams that may have been on board with it, and ironically... Yeah, it's, I think it's... they're going to start to uh, realise that they're against it. Mm, funny that, isn't it? Funny how that works. Oh. Um, but the rain kind of spat later on. I think lap 47 was the first it began to spit. Maybe 46 heading on to 47. Uh, so rain started to come down. It it shifted very quickly, this weather. It sh- the, the lap I noticed that really shift was... Um, I think the lap two pitch was lap 50, if you were Norris and uh, Hamilton. Yeah. Everyone else basically, because science was like thirty plus seconds behind. Everyone else was basically on lap forty nine when it, this kind of this came into play. So it seemed like that was the time to pitch. Hamilton and Mercedes took the jump. Uh, they uh, Mercedes were Mercedes actually wanted to do the lap before, so this was less so a Hamilton call as more so Mercedes strategists because they were roaring on the um the, especially the uh, with the weather people that were responsible for this were on the phone like get him into the pits yeah and he ignored it the first time round on lap 49 and then came in on lap 50 uh, then so norris and mclaren committed to stay out now norris afterwards spoke about how he didn't know there was more rain coming uh he but i have i i actually i tweeted part of the quote he said to the f1 post-race show um he says he thought that the drizzle was going to remain a drizzle. Um, to be fair, one of the things that I think Norris didn't handle particularly well, I th- I th- now understand like, I understand why this happened, but I think he definitely lost his composure a bit. You know, in that situation where the like you know first time leader three laps or so to go, I thought he kind of didn't quite manage that part of the race maybe mentally as well as he should maybe have yeah he got a bit high rate in the car didn't he when they asked him if he wanted to uh, come in for interviews he was like no and like shut up and that kind of thing yeah I could understand them saying shut up because they, they, he doesn't need them in the year when it's it's, it's raining on dry tyres but yeah he seemed to get a bit agitated which is understandable because it's like I say, it's a very high-pressure situation mm. and he's got a lot on his shoulders. A lot of fans wanting to pick up that first victory and I'm sure he's more than wanting to get it over and done with by now. Yeah, I think that part of the race, I think, you know, the composure between the likes of maybe Ricardo, his teammate, would have really made a big difference in that scene. I think, look, I think ultimately that was just an experience call. I just think perhaps, yeah. you know, had he have a few... If he was in Ricardo's position career-wise, you know, a few wins under his belt, et cetera, et cetera, maybe even not as long. I mean, even Leclerc, for example, something of that maybe nature, I think he would have been better equipped to deal with that situation. But look, I suppose you you live and you learn. You learn from your mistakes at the end of the day. 
It's the best way. Always has been for me. And I'm I'm sure many people agree with me on that. Yeah. Uh, so Norris eventually finished seventh. He escaped any further punishment after he he missed the pit lane essentially after the uh, yeah the tires just. What lap did he end up pitting? Did he end up pitting lap fifty two in the end? They left it quite yeah. late. One lap left after he basically nearly skidded off into the wall. Very close, is, skidding off to the I th- wall. I thought he literally. I thought he'd done it. I thought he'd stuffed it. Mm-hmm. When I saw it. So yeah, very lucky. Uh, massively unfortunate look i think everyone was pretty i think everyone was pretty universally gutted that you know it slipped away especially having controlled it and looked i don't like i think hamilton almost admitted essentially himself that likely wasn't going to get that uh wasn't going to get that moved on so i think everyone's just universally disappointed but again this has so many shades of france 2002 where a young Kimi raikkonen who again in his first year at mclaren leading at the front of the french grand prix close to the end seemed pretty comfortable Schumacher coming from behind uh, you know wasn't quite putting that pressure on and then an oil slick of all things from Alan McNish's Toyota sent uh, sent Raikkonen wide and Schumacher <laughs> came through and almost bullied his way past in the end um, to take a fifth world title that day and again similar to Norris you know uh, the first win el- eluded them and Hamilton took a milestone milestone victory for his 100 so just like that day you know there were there would be plenty of better days for Raikkonen to come they have uh, and even today was a very good one for him as well as he finished finishing p8 there uh, and Norris again looks similar story there'll be race wins for him in the future world titles possibly as well so it's a tough one for him to shoulder today but I think long term you know it's we all know it's a matter of when rather than if yes he's, he's, he's coming sooner or later mm-hmm. regardless so, yeah, he played an absolute blinder all weekend, and sadly at the end, as uh, Andreas Seidler put it, he just kind of got, got away at the, uh, in the last few laps, so massively unfortunate for him. But what about Lewis Hamilton then, who had a pretty sketchy race weekend, let's be real, you know. Pretty disastrous, like, sad, eh? If I'm honest. Honestly, based off the pace in practice, he was that car was easily the fastest by a mile. And then it came to... Saturday and qualified and the the heavens had opened up and he he stuffed it into the wall in the pits, stuffed it into the wall on his last lap and ended up in fifth, fourth. Uh, qualified fourth. To be fair, he's it actually didn't matter his spin on track. He was two plus seconds down in this time anyway. Yeah, um, I don't think that mattered a ton. So I I don't really care about that spin on track. It like it literally did not matter. What did matter was. Uh, him spirit now i don't know how actually how much that uh, it affected bottas a lot because obviously it affected him from having two runs so or at least two clean runs so to warm up the tires which was crucial as sergio perez found out as he qualified qualified ninth but yeah it was looking pretty bad i still thought hamilton had a really good chance to win uh from p4 but his start was pretty pretty poor um yeah stroll almost flipping sandwiched him heading <laughs> down towards turn two his, his initial start was really bad, but that Mercedes in a straight line, mm-hmm. my God, there's a there's a helicopter shot, and you just see it take off like down the straight, and then Norris comes across after Sainz slips past Norris, and then Stroll comes steaming up the middle, Hamilton gets boxed in, and the inside curb that turned to is the last place you want to be going into that corner. Mm-hmm. It is not the most fun. And normally, 
There's a pile up there. This year there wasn't. I was very surprised. It's very clean. I believe no, mm. there was no safety car. I believe was there for this uh, no, this race. Not I, got, I, I bet money on that. Good, good, good call. Yeah, um, no, no, no one tracked retirements until uh, Mick Schumacher was they? So like thirty boxed. laps in. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how to do Latifi late on because he's plus six. He, so he disappeared somewhere. But I, I would assume we have seen it on track because I think during those conditions any. My, you know, any retirement basically a, around Russia in general, almost any retirement is basically a a, a VSC or safety car. Although I have to say, this I thought the marshals did a really good job all across the weekend. F three, F two, you know, mitigating basically any need for a full safety car. They were able to clear that up very, very quickly. Yeah, they were on it as soon as like someone smashed the polystyrene bollards at turn two. They were straight on it. Yellow flags that didn't need to bring out the VSC or anything. Got it cleaned up and bang, done straight away. Brilliant. But you know, you know, the Silverstone Marshals are the they're the best, you know. That would have taken like six years to clear up. <laughs> it would have. We've had four safety yeah. cars. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> a track that's more open. Yeah. Yeah. With more escape roads and the and the such. <laughs> yeah. Um so, Unreal. So yeah, like obviously Mercedes and Hamilton, they made the right call. He won by fifty three seconds in the end, which is uh is out of context. It was that's just very much out of context, uh for sure. But Definitely would have been thirty seconds though. Oh yeah, they like I'm looking at a screenshot I took from lap forty-seven. They were thirty-five seconds clear of science. Those two, yeah. So, kind of shows you how much pace they had really in in hand. Um, for Hamilton though, look, he was very much stuck behind that Ricardo kind of uh, who was in front of him. It was Ricardo Roll. Stroll Russell train and opened up the pace once they pit. And yeah, again, it looked like he was he was on the charge, and then obviously one point three, one point five seconds stopped. Uh, obviously, but they made the right call in the end. He wins the race. Race win number one hundred for him. I know, like I know, we won't want to talk. I know you don't want to talk about this a ton, but a hundred race wins. Uh, a lot of respect, yeah. I mean, yeah at you the know, end of the day, as much as we don't, I say not say like him. We we don't. We're not fond of him, shall we say? Wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have my LH forty four cap on. That's for sure. Saying that, I do have one, but that's only because it's a nice one. Oh. It's not for who it is. It's more the addition. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, okay. Admittedly, there are some nice caps around. I will give yes, that. China yes. twenty seventeen was one is a favorite one of mine. There's a pink, blue, and black one that I've got, and I love it. It's so good. Uh, so, uh, look. 100 race wins, it's hard to remember all of them, but do you have a particular, I guess, favourite or, I guess, best one of Hamilton from his 100? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of them, isn't there? It's hard to choose just one. And there's been a hell of a lot of race wins over the years where he's just been absolutely exceptional. Mm -hmm. Probably the one that stands out the most is probably Germany... 2017 when Vettel binned it or 2018 whenever it was when he started P14 I know Bottas got told to back off but it was still a great drive Um, th- there's a lot probably ones from his earlier part of his career probably I'd rate more than the last few years if I'm honest yeah there's a few good ones in 2018 like Monza I think was pretty it's pretty good um, yeah I'm with you though. I think a lot of the early year ones were really good. Like I was like every like a lot of people gravitate towards Silverstone 2008, and that was a very good one. I actually think Fuji 07 
was a much mm. more impressive wet race drive. Rookie season, you know, close monsoon. to hammer time, monsoon conditions, third last race from the end. Um, on a day where Fernando Alonso crashed out in those conditions, Hamilton won that race. I know a lot of it was under safety car. Like I, I, I understand that, but it was treacherous, Still. treacherous conditions. Rookie season, very, very tricky conditions. Took the 17-point lead. Had one hand on the trophy, on the championship um, trophy. Bottled it. Mm. <laughs> so say what you want about China, say what you want about Brazil, but honestly, that Fuji 2007 one is honestly like that is right up there for me. Um, yeah. Very much so. And look, there's there's plenty of Lewis Hamilton wins you could say that are, are very much quality. You know, there's a there's a lot to be had. Um, yeah. I find what takes the fifth. You've, have, you have anything to add to, on to that before I bring on to this next? I have a stash for you. No, I was just going to say that Fuji race, you couldn't see your arse from your hand. So, <laughs> yeah, no. is that bad? Was that the race Mark Webber was throwing up in the uh, car? I think or it was. was. The next year? No, because the next year he's rear ended by Vettel and yes. he was very, very unhappy. <laughs> very, yes, very unhappy. Here's a here's a wild one, and it kind of shows you to the degree that this like, look Hamilton's career. You know, you, there's some context required. You know, but here's the thing: he took win number twenty. He took twenty one wins with uh, McLaren. Last one coming at twenty twelve in Austin. First win with Mercedes. Only one in twenty thirteen came at uh, Hungary. So that was win number twenty two. By the end of twenty sixteen. He had racked up win number fifty-three. Yeah, you know that's bizarre. That I think that just literally takes the piss. But yeah, but that's what happens when you have a dominant car that's faster than everybody else by two seconds a lap in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen. So I could be twenty sixteen as well. People, people yeah. like. 2014 and 16 were ridiculously like rid- they were OP as hell. They really were. Um, no point even watching them races because they, they were winning regardless, one of the two. Yeah, at least Rosberg made things interesting. But that was the thing, like after, you know, after after like 2017, and I know I, I do think Hamilton definitely took things up a level from 2017 onwards. Yeah. Um, as kind of the gap closed between, obviously, for, it was initially Ferrari that was first. Those first two years after Rosberg retired, but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot, like, yeah, there's a lot to be said for him. Uh, again, some really good wins in here, but um, once you get back to 2019, it kind of just things kind of took the piss again. Um, he began not so much, not as much this year. This is only his fourth victory this year, but 2019, start 2019, he had 74 wins. Yeah, you know, uh, Bush, you know, 100, you know. <laughs> It's unreal. Like, it is wild. It's been coming for a while, to be fair, as well. Like, to be fair, like, the last one, 99 was Britain. Was, uh, Britain. That was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, and that one was gifted. So, so yeah. But Hamilton then, obviously, leaves, uh, leaves the uh, name, Sochi. Sochi. Yeah, that's the one. Thank you. Leaves Sochi with a two-point lead over Verstappen, who we'll move on to next, really, because... A big winner of the weekend, big winner of the last two Grand Prix for Stappen in terms of we knew heading in that Monza and Sochi were going to be two tracks where Mercedes, in theory, would enjoy a more competitive advantage over Red Bull due to the various philosophies. The fact mm. that Verstappen was able to fight back to P2 
and leave Sochi only two points behind Hamilton, having taken, of course, his engine penalty this weekend, starting from the back. That is a massive, massive, massive win for Red Bull and Verstappen. Yeah, I don't think they look much more, if I'm honest. It, it was unreal. It was, to be fair, before it started raining, it wasn't looking that great. He was P7, P5 type of range, and then the rain came and he put the inters on at the right time and was there to pick up the pieces when it all went tits up for Lando. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he was just there. Qualifying was literally went out, did an install up and came back in again, did what he needed to do and didn't bother risking the car. Smart move, not worth it. Start of the race, absolutely breezed past Bottas, who didn't even bother firing for some <laughs> reason. Just basically waved him on past, didn't he? It was uh, very strange, but Bottas will come to a bit later on. And then he, he just got the moves done, and then uh, the hearts just died on him, didn't they? Very strange. The So I'm looking at the image here. He was in, So lap 47, when the kind of things began to kick off, he was in seventh place, two and a half seconds behind Alonso, who had just passed him. And Leclerc coming. Leclerc was four seconds behind Verstappen. We've talked about this season how Hamilton has enjoyed quite a bit of luck in some places, like Imola. Uh, there's a couple of other places that come to mind as well. Should be noted that this was a big break, this weather for Verstappen and Red Bull, because Verstappen mm. was quite was really, I won't say nowhere, but really like very much consigned to the fact that he was going to finish seventh, maybe even eighth, did not enjoy the hards once he caught up to that um, that train where he like, obviously Hamilton was right there within sight. And then obviously, you know, we're talk- I'm looking at a gap here that's like nearly 50 seconds between him and Hamilton by lap 47. So that kind of, that kind of got away. Uh, you know, Alonso had overtaken him. Ricardo kind of gone in front as well. You know, it really wasn't looking great. He wasn't really enjoying the mediums as well. So really, like this this weather did him a right old treat. Um, did Verstappen pitted? I think at the right time, the right time he pitted lap. It would have been for them lap forty nine. Uh, him and Science, who was also falling off the road in front of him, he'd actually just overtaken Science, I believe. Um, who fell off the road at the end of the second DRS straight there on drives as well. Uh, ended up being, that was the, ended up, I think, ended up being the perfect time to pit and yeah. tore through the field. Kind of, I think, I'm going to come to this as well. Uh, Alonso, Perez and Leclerc, who stayed out, I think, I think they got caught up with the fact there is a podium in front of them. Yeah and stayed out longer than they should have. Now, Alonso did get in before Perez and Leclerc did, uh, but still too late to uh, to kind of ward off Verstappen, who uh, obviously just got by science for an effective net P3. So, look, a large degree of luck involved, um, but yeah, he did ultimately recover or lose less points in his position. So even if Hamilton hadn't overtaken Norris, you have 18 points going to Hamilton versus Verstappen's uh, six for seventh place, so that's a difference of twelve. So ultimately, he only lost out seven points, and only a two-point gap. Then, so really, which is nothing. Yeah, honestly, to come out with Sochi, we're just trailing two points into tracks that are going to suit. We believe suit Red Bull's characteristics a bit more. And there's rumors. Paul Dressa on Sky Sports commentary was saying afterwards there are rumors up and down the pack that they're going to have to end up taking that penalty with Hamilton down the road, I think they're going to have to to, to play it safe, aren't they? 
Yeah, I don't see them not having to take it. And if they're off the pace in Turkey, I can see them doing it there. Because you can overtake in Turkey. So it's going to be interesting to see when and if that develops, if that is just paddock gossip. But it, it seems like everyone is going to end up taking a fourth one. Like 22 races, all sessions, three engines. I know it's to cut costs, but that's a lot of wear and tear on an engine. Does it cut costs anyway when they're having to put another one in regardless? Mm-hmm. Like, why not just give them four? I don't, I don't understand. It used to be. Yeah, I don't understand why they've cut it. And then it's ended up making it cost them more. Oh, it's very, very silly. To be fair, the reliability is a hell of a achievement for how, how many engines are actually used compared mm-hmm. to years ago when they used to just blow up left, right and centre. Now it's very rare to see an engine failure. Very, very rare. Mm. So, look, ultimately Red Bull, for Sapin, they'll be very happy after this because... To come from the back to finish P2, limit the damage in a way that I don't think they could have, you know, I don't, they certainly wouldn't have thought they themselves, and Verstappen himself said he didn't see himself in P2 at the end of this one. So, yeah, that's just huge going forward. Huge dub. Absolutely. So, who else do you have then, kind of looking outside of Norris, Verstappen, and obviously uh, Hamilton, who else do you have as a winner of the uh, of the weekend? Carlos. Carlos Sainz. Podium. Highest ever qualifying position. Arguably both very, very lucky. But probably one of his better weekends for Ferrari seemed to be on it a bit more. So, yeah. yeah, Decent weekend. Obviously, Leclerc has got the new power unit Mm -hmm. and was out of position. So, it was up to Carlos to sort of lead the team at the front for this weekend. So, I thought he did an all right job. Led the race early on. Doing all right. They got a decent gap because of Russell, mm-hmm. and then they saw the pace just dropped off quite a bit. And uh, he was very, he was very mad. Did you hear his team radio when they said, "You're looking at P5," and he was like, "What? <laughs> How am I P5?" <laughs> so yeah, could have been a lot better, but you got to take the P3 at the end of the day. Yeah, arguably, I wouldn't. I'm not sure how much better I could have gotten. To be fair, again, like you said, like because obviously Perez went and uh, he overtook him and that kind of thing. And yeah, I thought perhaps he was going to fall out of a podium spot and finish outside of a podium spot. Oh. Uh, but to stay there, this is his second podium of the season. Yes, Monaco is the other one. Has Leclerc? Other than Leclerc's only had the one. One correct at Brown. Silverstone, yeah. which again should have been a race win, but alas, uh, so. Yeah, two podiums versus Leclerc's one. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Leclerc later, but yeah, just really saw weekend for science. I did the job in qualifying. I talked about afterwards how probably going first probably actually hindered him a chance for a yeah. pole position, but set the benchmark early, which I think was really important in the session and obviously got the jump as he needed to. But yeah, as we kind of saw, this track did seem to favor for uh, McLaren. Actually, surprisingly, I actually thought it might be the other way around, but the straight line speed aspect of things really, I guess, was more of a factor than I thought perhaps was going to be the case heading in. It's a long, long run from that last corner down to turn two. Very, very long. So, yeah, it was always going to be quite a big game for them in that respect. Uh, something that Ferrari cannot, can't really claw back in the corners. So, I, I was a little surprised, but not surprised in the same sense, if you know what I mean. Mm. It was... A nice surprise. 
the McLaren were up there as much as they were. Yeah, but, yeah. Because that said, like Ricardo, once he caught up to science himself, like he he just couldn't get through. He just like so Ferrari straight line stuff is good enough that mm. it kept them in a good good position. Because I think if Ricardo had got through. Um, I think again the domino falls. I think you know. I think Alonso goes through, possibly Verstappen too. So yeah. I read, yeah, uh, it's better than I think. It's better than I actually thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's last year's car. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> getting absolutely slammed on them straights. So science says I think I think this plan for science is to get that engine sometime later in the season. So he will get it at some point. So we'll be expecting a penalty for science at some some track in the in the in the future yeah probably the next track to go track he goes out in q2 for a guess yeah probably probably something as simple as that possibly yeah very much yeah so, so. Uh, but looking at the kind of the driver standings for science he moves seven and a half points clear of leclerc in sixth so 112 and a half points for uh for science there only seven and a half behind perez there in fifth yes that's very interesting one isn't it mm. a red bull former red bull driver no, academy chief, a driver near enough with uh the actual red bull first team driver so mm. yeah they made a mistake in my opinion letting him go but that's a, a story for another time yeah there's a lot to be said about decision to take science over or take ghastly over science and science's success and progression i guess up the f1 ladder so to speak compared to uh Credit Gasly, who's still in the AlphaTauri outfit, but again, I, I don't think there's anything wrong being an AlphaTauri. But uh, yeah, yeah, again, a discussion for another time. Uh, I've got the winner of the weekend, and I'm glad I got to take this one because Fernando Alonso. Oh my god, <laughs> what a what a, what what a, a fucking guy. driver! <laughs> oh, he's... I didn't get to see much of it because I didn't see the race live. I only watched the highlights, and Sky caught a hell of a lot of this good stuff out. So I'm going to have to try and find the full mm. race somewhere. But from what I saw, he was he was on it. So good because a he was hanging like while you were watching kind of Hamilton early on stuck behind the likes of uh, Ricardo and such. He had Perez behind Hamilton, and then just looming on the outskirts was that Alpine of Alonso right on the back, about a second, second half, two seconds behind Perez, not being dropped by that group, and. A contrary to what Alonso believed, because heading into the race, he expected the he expected the slip very much so down that uh, order in the race. Never happened. Went extra long, like uh, Perez, like uh, Leclerc, and obviously Alonso himself went long. But on the mediums, worked his way by Verstappen into sixth. And the best part, once the rain hit, like the early stages, boom, got by. He stuck behind Ricardo himself. Once the rain conditions, the wet conditions hit, Everyone's in that kind of slip, slip, slidey kind of phase. No one's gone for intermediates yet. Boom! Past Ricardo, past Perez, past Sainz, into the uh, into into third. He got himself into third, uh, but then uh, you know the decision from Alpine. Then you know they went late. If they mm. had reacted a lap earlier, strong chance I think that a, a, you know a podium may have been in the offing for Alonso. Definitely. Uh, he talked about afterwards how some people went to Inters before it was actually Inters. A uh, big example here being Bottas uh, and Russell. Um, he didn't mention those, but those are the ones I've written down here because they pitted lap 48 onto... Yeah, they were very early. They were very early. And here's the thing. I don't think it was actually intermediate conditions until the lap 50 slash 51, depending who you were, Deluge, where it really hammered down. And Vettel was caught with this as well. 
um, staying out a lap longer than he should have. Alonso was one of those that got caught as well. But unlike Leclerc and Perez, um, got in the next lap, whereas they committed to stay out and they lost big time. Leclerc, where Leclerc even finished? Leclerc finished in P15. 15. Perez had a podium, basically. He, that podium was essentially his. And they were too late on that call as well. Perez included himself um, on that late call. Fell down to P9 where he started <laughs> pretty pretty gut-wrenchingly. But honestly, like Alonso, even though that late call, Bottas finished fifth, but Alonso still managed to finish sixth himself. Uh, just more excellent points for Alpine. Just... Oh, that was I. I again. I know the call was late, but I just I was just watching him overtake like Ricardo Perez sides. Like he's so fucking good. It's just the on. Uh, it's the Alonso we all wanted to see, isn't it? So <laughs> I, I'm not even surprised at this point. It's just a beast. Oh, he's so fucking good. <laughs> It's just, it's just a joy to watch him cut through. Like we didn't see any of it. Some very poor TV direction. Um, I hope we get some form of like, like montage from the F1 YouTube channel where it shows what happens when it just starts raining from like mm-hmm. the driver's point of view. But it won't, it won't happen. Uh, Alonso that takes his t- Alonso's tally out to fifty eight points, and again, some eight eight extra points for Alpine puts them puts them nineteen points ahead of AlphaTauri in fifth. Mm. there's plenty of time for that to be overturned but Alpine looking very very good there for P5 yeah very very good and another non-scoring weekend for Alvatari so big big points Mm. eight big points there so yeah Alpine looking good Uh, Ocon kind of I think Ocon was unfortunate in the sense that they he was they pulled him in early along with the likes of Stroll and that kind of thing and just because they were running because it was Lonzo ahead of uh, Ocon in the early stages there uh, but that I think retrospect kind of as Stroll and such found out pulling those cards in early as they did just didn't work out in the end yeah too soon too soon on that front uh, who else do you have as a winner of the uh, weekend someone who's gone unnoticed I thought very quiet on the uh, front from uh, Mr. Daniel Ricardo. hmm P5 and qualifying, great job, and then P4 in the race, and then he was with the with the front pack pretty much the entire race. So fantastic job, in my opinion. Yeah, doing what he needs to do to help them in the fight with Ferrari. Yeah, some big points there. Uh, with obviously didn't have quite have the edge on pace that Norris had. No, but was in the right place, the right time. Uh, he was basically he basically ended where he I think he's one of the few that basically ended where he was when the rain started wasn't he um, yeah him and signs pretty much he moved up for, to P4 from P5 from that 47 so but uh, you know very much they were catching kind of science as well I know he kind of couldn't get by science but P4 look yeah uh, understated race I think you're right I think you're absolutely right very understated race very low key race uh, that's the type of race he needed to have after after Monza mm-hmm. nice just there in the background it's very Spain-esque where he just got the job done and basically picked up the pieces when it went to Silverlando and played a really important team role I thought when he you know in that early phase before he stopped uh, ahead of Hamilton holding up Hamilton allowing Norris to kind of create a bit more of a, of a gap 
yeah. kind of take it from eight seconds or nine seconds to that 12 second range where if, you know before uh, they boxed Ricardo a big, big box opposite Ricardo was how Hamilton was told and uh, they brought uh, they brought brought Ricardo in and obviously Hamilton went in to put on some uh, purple laps and obviously look I, I do think Ricardo would have had even even bigger role to play arguably a podium should have been there for him today had the, had he not had that slow stop yeah yeah definitely would have been in contention somewhere along the line whether that would have been enough to ultimately repel Hamilton, you know, I don't Probably know. Not. I'm not sure. Well, maybe, maybe it would have been because he couldn't get Again. by. He, once yeah. he caught up to Norris, he couldn't get by. So kind of the one of the understated unknowns of this race was, you know, what Hamilton would have done with Ricardo because, again, he was coming out behind him. Maybe the fresh mm. rubber would have been enough. Who knows? But, you know. Um, it's one of them things. You so... Ultimately, coming out with a P4 and a P7 was uh, was good for McLaren on a day where obviously Sainz picked up some points, but Leclerc did not. Still have scored. So it doesn't matter. The upshot is that McLaren on 234 points, could two Ferraris 216 and a half. I would definitely not write Ferrari off at this stage, not at all, given how we've seen yeah. the ebb and flow of that kind of come and go. But um, yeah, good weekend for Ricardo and uh, and I'd say McLaren as a whole. Again, they missed out on the win, but. Yeah, still some good team points there in their in their fight. Yeah, have they got to take engines? Do we know? Because I'm sure Ricardo probably has. I'm not sure about Lando. I don't know what their story is with engines. If... Because they're both Mercedes, aren't they? So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure after that whacking hungry for Ricardo, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he needed to take some form of penalty sooner or later. So we would put them level with science on that aspect. Leclerc sort of got the one up on them. Mm-hmm. In the uh, sense that he's already took his, but he didn't score. So, yeah, I feel like Ricardo would have taken one for one of his uh, unfortunate Q twos at some point earlier this year, but I, I really don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, I want to move on to another winner of the weekend. Someone who's not getting enough talk, not being talked enough about, I think, and that's Kimi Raikkonen. Yes, 100%. now obviously Raikkonen first race back, having missed the last two races with uh, COVID, and look, ult- like. Here's the thing that no one's talking about. He was running a really good race even before the rain hit. Now, he was in P13, but he was ahead of Gasly, ahead of Bottas, uh, behind Ocon. Not by much, but like Giovinazzi was nowhere this weekend. Absolutely nowhere. Raikkonen was fighting in the top 10, close to the top 10 early phase of the race. And just, I don't know how it happened, but he got himself to that P7 uh, obviously, I was taken by Norris on the last lap there, but um, obviously benefiting from the Aston Martin squabble uh, and slash stroll falling off the road. Uh, Perez, obviously, his late decision, and then Leclerc, but just a really good race for an old head like Reich, and then picking up some some good points for Alfa Romeo. Again, they're not going to catch Williams, but just a really, really good result from Reich, and just He just drove a really good race. For me, that sort of puts the nail in uh, Giovinazzi's F1 career if I'm honest because yeah. like that's the type of weekend where Giovinazzi did what Giovinazzi didn't need Kimi Raikkonen who's leaving the sport doesn't really care is probably suffering from Covid still because it's it's not something you recover from straight away mm. he's an athlete and breathing is obviously a massive part of what they need to do in that car and the COVID obviously affects that quite a bit. So that goes unnoticed, I think, with the, the COVID scenario. And then the fact that 
Kimi managed to pick up points on his first race back. I know it's probably a lot more luck involved than actual skill and where the car should have been, but he got the job done, and it's a big, big dub. Definitely both uh, both skill and luck involved, for sure, because obviously you need to keep it on the road. I will say this, actually. I know there was a few hiccups, like Stroll fell off the track and Leclerc fell off the track a bit, but I just I think all drivers out there deserve a huge amount of credit for keeping the car on the road. There's no there's no like massive accident or anything of the sort. Nothing really. Just supreme skill was on display in those conditions by by everyone there. So I'll give. Unless you. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're strong. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> but like generally speaking, huge amount of skill on display. So Raikkonen obviously in the thick of that. To be fair, they were they were long, long overdue a result like that in terms of luck. They they have been they have been, been much the fringes, improved and they have been on the fringes once or twice and they really did deserve something like that. So fair play to them. They deserved it. Sadly it's not going to make a ton of difference. They are still sixteen points behind Williams, who again got himself let's throw this winner in there as well, George Russell. Yeah. Um to be fair, actually the rain really helped him because he'd actually just fallen out of the points. Vettel had just overtaken him on that forty seven when kind of things began to kick off. Uh, benefited then from he was arguably he may have come in too early for him. I know Bottas made that work, but it may have been almost too early for Russell in some ways on lap forty eight. Uh, because obviously uh, uh, Perez still obviously managed to finish ahead of him. Yeah, but that that's the type of gamble they need to take. Yeah. It's better to be too oh, yeah. early in then type of scenarios and be too late, as a lot of them found out. Like it changed very quickly. Like for, like here's the other thing that deceived drivers as well. Sector three wasn't actually that bad for weather. It was bone dry for two of the laps. And that's what deceived some drivers. So Vettel actually having felt I, I was watching the onboards and the such afterwards because I was just fascinated to see, like you were saying fascinating to see kind of the different different perspectives and races people had when that rain came and who reacted to it and Vettel was one of those in sector three I thought actually stay out and then kind of I'd say four corners later I was like oh shit we need to box like regret this as well what made me laugh was uh when they they're coming through sector two and it's Lando's getting overtaken by like Giovinazzi or someone like that and then he gets into sector three and then re-overtakes them. Then they get onto the start-finish straight and Giovinazzi's <laughs> overtaking them again. It's actually better than like, that. Mazepin was one of those cars. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. Mr. P15. Let's, let's be real. <laughs> so, Winner of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll throw, Finish the race. Finish the race. He actually was ahead of Schumacher for almost all that race. Yeah. So, given that, at least. Um... Yeah, Russell, fourth points finish in the last five, I believe. Yes. And then P3 in qualifying? Yeah. Ridiculous. So, yeah. I know it's right moment, right time type of thing, but still, still got to do it mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, I don't have any more winners of the weekend. Yeah. So let's move on to the losers and... I'm going to give a loser of the weekend, not for how he drove, but for the for the situation he was put into this weekend. It's Valtteri Bottas. Yes, um, I agree. P5 is a very generous reward for his race. His race was abysmal, utterly yeah. abysmal. Now, two reasons for that. A, Mercedes put him in a really... I think it was really shitty of Mercedes to do this to him. Yeah, and unfair. Um, Completely unfair. 
because he was on the pace all weekend with Bottas in practice. Qualifying things took a turn for the worse. It was it wasn't even in, in his in his control. Like obviously the Hamilton stuff, he was the car behind. Uh, the Hamilton stuff, they had to make sure he was they hadn't broke a track rod or anything. But obviously delayed to the point where Bottas couldn't get two runs in, um, or at least a, a warm up lap at least. So he was kind of screwed. He was in seventh, I think, on the grid. Yeah. Which again, well, again, given the pace of that that car, isn't an awful place to be. I think a podium was very easily salvageable from that point. Easily, I would have said it should have been an easy one too for Mercedes. Yeah. If I'm honest, you're telling me Hamilton signed fourth and Bottas is seventh. I because I, I, obviously I didn't get to see the race live. I I was like, all right, I'm gonna come back. It's gonna be Lewis in Lewis's one. Bottas is in second, and we're going to get some randomer in third. So, easy. But no, Mercedes decided to uh, spin it for some unbeknown reason. I don't know. Well, we know the reason. Why, why, why would you explain the reason? Obviously, Max had taken the engine penalty that had been long overdue. And then Bottas had taken an engine penalty at the Italian Grand Prix mm-hmm. and drove a brilliant race in that race as well. And then uh, I would I would have said he was probably my favourite to win that race if qualifying was dry and it stuck it on pole mm-hmm. I thought he would have absolutely pissed it because he looked unreal if I'm honest he looked like he got a couple of tenths over Lewis and it's Bottas's favourite track and then Mercedes decided oh no you look quick let's let's give you an engine penalty <laughs> why and then for the only reason that we could come up with was purely to delay Max's charge through the field. And he didn't even do that. No. He just pretty, pretty much stayed to the left on the back straight, looked at Verstappen and said, hey, oh, mate, come on through. Mm. I don't think he, I don't think he wanted to do it either. No. I wouldn't have either. Here's the, th- here's the thing I was thinking about before this race. Because heading into the weekend, Bottas said he would play the team, I'm paraphrasing, he'd play the team game. Here's the thing. He's leaving that car at the end of the year. He, here's the thing. He may never get another chance to win a Grand Prix. Yeah. And I don't... Here's the thing. I actually don't think he would have moved out of the way because the rest no, of... I you, wouldn't. You, you, have, you, you, know, you have your career and then you go on the rest of... The rest of your life is in front of you afterwards. You have... It's, you are then left to reflect in your career on your wins. And I don't think he would have handed one of those away. No. Why would he? If Max was like P8 and Lewis was in second, why would you move out the way? What Lewis is still gaining, it's a 1 2 for the team. It's probably going to be Bottas' last win for Mercedes, mm-hmm. possibly his last win in the, in the sport. Who knows? Alpha could be world champions next year for all That's I know. I think we don't know, but the certainty right now is he's, he's in the race winning car. Yeah. So to, if I'm driving for me at this point, mm-hmm. I know I'm leaving that team regardless so i'd be like no unless he can physically get alongside me i'm not moving why should i and give me this one thing i've done all these team mm-hmm. games for you why just repay me with this one thing i honestly thought they would have as well but they didn't like it's different to russia 2018 like he wasn't leaving the yeah. team then like he is now and he may never get a chance to win another grand prix I don't think he would have moved aside. Maybe they sensed that too. I don't think. I, just, I literally think they put him there to stimmy Verstappen's progress. And I think Bottas was pissed off to the point where they sabotaged his weekend. They like 
like unintentionally and then intentionally it felt like they sabotaged his his weekend and yeah really after that like he like verstappen obviously got by gasly uh or like early enough bottas was stuck for a long time he was like lap 47 he was in 14th place behind Raikkonen. he got by gasly eventually in the stops i think but he was nowhere that race so you could say he was rewarded for his stuff prior to the race but at the same time he had absolutely no business given how the race unfolded he had absolutely no business to be to finish p5 the fact that toto came on the radio and was like valtteri we need you to get a move on to score points it's really sat with me yeah i was like well you can't be you can't be mad at him for putting him in that position when you know he doesn't do well when he's sat in traffic he, he's always, he's been a characteristic of Bottas for a long, long time. If he's stuck behind someone, he doesn't get past mm-hmm. them. It's always been the same and always will be until, unless he's freed like I thought he had been because I, I thought after Monza we'd seen a new Bottas, to be honest, because he completely changed and he just seemed to be back to like the 2014 Bottas who was on the pace mm-hmm. and I thought would easily wipe the floor with Hamilton, if I'm honest. But obviously that got proven hmm. wrong but yeah I, I'm I'm really annoyed at Mercedes for doing that really really annoyed yeah I, it's not I, I wouldn't put Bottas down as a loser himself no he drove he's, the race he had to drive you know I he, he, he's basically been given the done he's done the best with what he's been dealt with with what he's been dealt sorry he's loser the weekend because Mercedes put him in a place to lose yeah that, that's that's the correct way to phrase it, yeah. He came in lap 48 on the Inters. Again, I think it was actually too early at that point, but you're P14, yeah. you're pissed nowhere. You may as well. And it worked out. Obviously, you know, the, those the guy, there's late calls. Obviously, Norris fell. Uh, Alonso was too late. Perez was especially too late. Uh, and, you know, we jumped others in the pits. I guess it would have been technically quicker, but... Now, I should say, we've seen nothing as of right now to suggest that a component in that engine absolutely needed replacing. I'm sure there'll be some bullshit excuse that Andrew Shufflin or... uh, I don't think actually James Allison does those anymore, those those debriefs. I could could be wrong, but there'll be something like, oh, we saw... like I. Bullshit. I'm I'm calling bullshit on that. They'll they'll come out and say there is some part that needs to be replaced. That's why you put them down there. Bullshit. I, I, like you're. This is infa- like Mercedes have infallible reliability, and like Hamilton hasn't had a car failure in a race I think since 2018 when they both actually had car failures in Austria that day. Yeah, and that was unique circumstances. So I think it was purely down to the heat. I think that was the year later. I think that was actually 2019. Oh, was that the, the yes, heat? Sorry, the, my heat, bad. the heat thing yes. came later. They were, but. So I, I'm calling bullshit on whatever Mercedes spin out midweek or whatever to say that they absolutely had to replace something on Bottas. And that's why, he, I, I'm sorry, I do not believe that for a second. I don't think anyone would believe that. Bottas himself, I'm sure, does not believe that bullshit. He doesn't. He His Instagram story set agrees with that theory. Oh, really? What did he put? The, um, there's a picture of uh, a scrapyard full of engines and then it's just captioned Bottas's uh, engines with Mercedes this these last two races. He's, uh, he, he reposted it with uh, the uh, Bottas turning round meme. 
there's actually a story just actually just coming out of race fans where uh, Bottas quote could have been on the podium end quote with earlier stop, um, which is an interesting uh, kind of spin on things afterwards. Uh, so this is Bottas. I think we. So this is a story from uh, race fans and uh, Dieter Rankin with uh, Keith Collentine. Uh, to do, I think we could have made. I think we made the right call at the end and stopped early. I actually tried to come in even one lap earlier, but the team wasn't ready. So I think with that, we could have been on the podium, but still, we were on one of the early ones to stop, which was the right call. And it uh, goes on to say, I think the rain kind of saved us today and that we got some points, he admitted, which, yeah, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah, possibly even more Bottas, I think, could have, so interesting, he could have wanted to come lap 47. Yeah. So, uh, it's uh, a bizarre one, but, I, I mean, they, uh, that's the kind of reason why I, I don't support Mercedes and I never will do because that to me is just very shitty what they did yeah I think it was really shitty but so yeah you can argue Bottas deserved it and Slash didn't deserve it at the same time you know so, but again loser the weekend but only for the fact that Mercedes absolutely shafted them yes 100% um, now there's a few losers that kind of got screwed by the weather Sergio Perez being one of them I thought he drove a really good race did Sergio Perez got himself up to yeah. P3 um, I think it would, they were right not to swap Verstappen and Perez when Perez came out of the pits. It was very clear he's on fresh mediums. He got the job done. He got up to third, and sadly, I think, I think they like a few teams. I think like Alpine with Alonso may have got blindsided a bit by their track position, and obviously being so late in the race, didn't want to admit that perhaps this was the best thing to do. Again, Verstappen had less to lose, I think, in many ways than Perez yeah. did. So, sadly, that podium continues to elude Perez, but I really think he he did everything he had to after kind of poor qualifying, got himself where he needed to, and it was one of the victims of the uh, the timing of the uh, the weather there. Yeah, and Red Bull giving him a very poor pit stop because arguably, I reckon he could have caught up to Lewis Alanda on the fresh mediums if he'd have got out and had a normal pit, normal pit stop, he would have been out in front of Ricardo. I think they and should have undercut, yeah. He would have been able to get out in front and possibly close up. Probably not, but he'd have been a lot closer than what he was because they were way far back, way far. So, yeah, it's a lost lost weekend for Paris once again, but not his fault. Mm-hmm. He did everything he needed to. So another time, another one where uh, the team screwed the driver more than the driver's cocktail, if anything. Yeah, I get. Like, there's been a few like that for Perez this season. I think there's a stat where, like, I think there's a stat now approaching where uh, it's like the Perez versus Albon podiums in amount of races, uh, which uh, Perez is, I think, on one or two, and Albon had two last year. Now, I'll, like, again, let's be real. That secure one or that Bahrain one, he completely looked into. Did Albon after Perez's a uh, late failure? But that stat, I think, is a little out of context. But uh, whatever. Yeah, I will say Red Bull are losing a little bit more ground than they should be comfortable with here in the constructors. They're now thirty-three points behind Mercedes. This gap is edged out, you know, slightly. Where one bad weekend for either Verstappen or Perez from here on out, and one good weekend for Mercedes in conjunction, is going to basically say that's it. That is going to be Mercedes for constructors. Yeah, I've got a feeling it's going to be that's going to be done and dusted. Mm-hmm. very soon if I'm honest but 
fast just purely unless Perez gets his act together and qualifying then uh, yeah I think it's pretty much Mercedes is to lose if it ends up being a case of Verstappen wins the drivers Mercedes takes constructors it'll be the first time since 2008 where the same driver the winning driver has not driven for the winning constructor which will be incredible uh, the last time that was done, obviously, was uh, Hamilton and uh, Ferrari. Ferrari are constructors champions 2008. Of course we were. Because uh, Hickey Kovalainen right. was... Uh, champions. Yeah. That's why I look, that's why I look so look, look so odd in the stats. Like, the all-time stats, you have constructors 08, but no drivers championship 08. Yeah. So, so congratulations to Hickey Kovalainen for holding up his end of the, uh, <laughs> his end of the deal for McLaren. <laughs> um... Do, do, do. Uh, discuss uh, I, the, uh, I'll, let me I'm gonna get Charles Leclerc in here first because yes. here's the thing that no one seems to realize about this race before science pitted lap 49 with Verstappen Leclerc actually overtook him did he I obviously he did. I, I did not see this because sky crap now I think Leclerc was told that science was boxing so I don't know how they would have handled it, but Leclerc did indeed actually overtake Sainz and Perez for that net P3 on that lap. He stayed out, which was the wrong cause, it turned out. Even a lap later, his engineer got on his head. He said, if you can keep the car on the track, stay out. Leclerc immediately stayed turned. out. And I, before he got to the last corner... They, the, the team called him to box. Or even actually the second last quarter, he was actually already past the line. And uh, yeah, kind of fell off the road, did Leclerc. He was... I think Very lucky. He was unlucky. Um, I think if the call was his, uh, the team hadn't gotten in his head, I think he would have boxed that lap, but... Some turn bless him. Yeah, he... Yeah, almost. We did, we did basically. He had to pull in reverse. <laughs> I'm not sure what corner. I think he may have fallen off on turn. turn was it turn six? Turn five or Will turn Lando six? Will went off. Yeah. Uh, after reverse out, ended up finishing P15. A pretty unjust reward for what he had driven a really good race. Actually, kept pace with Verstappen in that first stint for a lot of it. An incredible opening lap. Got, Must be real. Got up to P12, I think. Stormed yeah. down the inside. A little naughty, you might say but stormed down the inside to turn two, took some positions, um, a little a little on the edge. I would have been too impressed if I was thinking Gasly, for example. Um, but ballsy stuff, I suppose he, we went for it. But um, That battle with Val was, uh, <laughs> was a bit uh, fun. Yeah. Is that the word? We're in nearly killed Max, but... Yeah. yeah, very racy. We've seen this a few times from Leclerc. Austria in particular uh, was... We've seen Leclerc get pretty, pretty punchy. Did not leave a lot of uh, his former teammate be damned, basically. He did, was not very kind to send Vettel on some space, was he? No, he was pretty much forcing him out wherever he could just to get them moved on. I would not, not the kind of race I like to see, but mm -hmm. it is entertaining when it's them two going at it. <laughs> I would not have been impressed if I was Seb Vettel, but look, <laughs> Vettel would have his own issues there. Uh, going on but yeah p15 pretty unjust reward for leclerc's race kind of literally was the worst case scenario of those who didn't pitch like again he was scrapping with alonso and perez when 
uh, obviously Alonso was the first one to buy those guys to box. He ended up sandwiching P6. Really, that should have been where Leclerc was in the end, but yeah, alas. Um, why don't you get us going then on our favorite, our favorite team, the 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 Canadian, the Canadian Greens, shall we call them? Yes. Now I, the, uh, I know you want to say a lot about Lance Stroll, but I will defend him a little bit. Vettel was quite far back to send that on the outside there. I, I, should Stroll have seen him coming? Maybe, but I did think Vettel was a little naughty in how far, because he also damaged Stroll's wing in the process. That's Stroll's fault. That's uh, not Vettel's fault. I think Vettel was a little far back. I'm not going to lie. Have you, seen, I mean, have you seen it? I've seen it, yeah, but why leave the gap open? Like, he left the car's width there. Vettel is going to go that going to go for that nine times out of ten. Like to me, I'm going for that, and I'm pretty sure you'd go for that. Like on the outside, it's risky with a barrier right there. It's risky, but at the end of the day, if you've got a slow car on the inside, I'm not going to the inside. I'm going to the outside. There's a car's width there. That's where I'm going. I'm not going to slam on the brakes and not try and get past him. I'm going to go try and go around the outside. And to me, Stroll was just blind. And then they made contact again on the exit, which was 100% Stroll's fault because Vettel was passed. But, yeah, not not great from Stroll, if I'm honest. And what's been a pretty lackluster season. He was actually having a good race. He was, actually, yeah. Made an incredible start. One of the best starts. On, in fact, probably the best start, apart from Charles shot up three or four positions and then was in the train and then it all just went went up in the air when it started to rain and that was it that was all she wrote and Stroll and Aston Martin and both Aston Martins finished outside the points with uh, Stroll in 11th and Vettel in 12th yes correct I believe yeah so another pointless weekend for the team that should be winning the the world <laughs> championship by 2025 yeah okay Sure. I will say this in like neither driver said anything of anything about the contact. Uh, Stroll was very much flustered by the conditions and the tires. As he always is. Um, there's a great phase of onboard where he obviously he goes off the track, slides into that barrier, comes back onto the track, and then like almost immediately taps the back of uh, Gasly. Um, which was he, which he, got a penalty for he was penalised for it, got himself a 10 second penalty and two more penalty points which takes him on to 8 which is not worth the ban <laughs> come on come on getting close so yeah Aston Martin to be fair they it was going so well like you said but I think they kind of overreacted to the undercut on Russell yeah it worked it, they well, they got well, they got front of them, but they lost the big picture with Leclerc, Alonso, um, way too early, Verstappen, too early. Perez, all that kind of. They lost the big picture battle with that, Ricardo included. Yeah, but that, in the same regard, that tells you all about Aston Martin, doesn't it? The focusing on Williams <laughs> of all the teams to focus on, that's the one they're focusing on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not great, is it? So this is it. for a team that had an aim to get third in the constructors this season, and they're just nowhere near it. They are absolutely nowhere near it. They are seventh 50, on fifty nine points, and Alpha Tari on six on eighty four, and that's after two pointless 
uh, or scoreless rather <laughs> weekends for AlphaTauri. Yeah, they are 175 points behind where they wanted to be. I mean, <laughs> season there's still seven races to go. I mean, McLaren are close to 200 points in front of them. Yeah, e. they they were fighting last season, mm-hmm. and the cars haven't changed that much. But Is let's it, be yeah. real. Hi, we we want high rake. It's affected our car or low rake or whatever it is. It's, oh, I do. I just can't be able to talk about them. You, can't be honest. Yeah, you're where I was last week. <laughs> I just didn't want didn't like campy I, I thought I'd finally turned the t- turned the corner <laughs> last year with Stroll. And then this year he's just gone backwards. Vettel has <laughs> redeemed himself for me. I, I, I've got nothing against Vettel. He's done a great job and has been screwed by the team on multiple occasions and his teammate. Mm-hmm. So, to, yeah. To be fair, Stroll, like, this is arguably, might have been in the making, Stroll's best weekend of the season. Yeah. And then the team pulled him in very early. And like, look, we didn't know at the time. They couldn't have known. But... Yeah, very early as it turned out on the on the stops as it as it uh, as it turned out. But he qualified P. He qualified. Where did he qualify? Was he eighth or six? sixth? He was some. Uh, no, Alonso, six, no, Alonso yeah. was sixth. No, Alonso was sixth. Yeah. So he must have been oh, around yeah. eighth or so. But he was like still like got through the Q three when his teammate didn't. Uh, but yeah, when things got wet, uh, it yeah did not go very well and <laughs> very much undeservedly finished ahead of his teammate. But anyways. Um, mm. Let's stick in Alpha Tari as a loser at the weekend. They kind of ruined gas. Like I've never seen Gasly. Uh, look, Gasly runs hot. We know that, uh, but he was absolutely fucking fuming. And I'm going to add that as like, just to emphasize how mad he was, because he was end of Q2. He was knocked out. He should have been to the Q, through the Q3. He was, as he was going down the straight on his in-lap, banging on his halo, repeatedly heading down that straight. He was absolutely furious. And that really compromised his race. Uh, yeah. And he didn't even get a chance to do anything in the wet because Stroll tanked him and spun him around as well. Yeah. It was uh, not, a, not a good weekend for Gasly. And uh, so. where even was, like, I didn't even know where Sonoda was. He was fighting at the back with Mick. <laughs> for the in the opening stages, I believe, which was uh, very reminiscent of the F two battle from last season in mm-hmm. Russia. Uh, Sonoda was the only other car as well to put on the soft compound tire for a lap before he put on the intermediate. What? Yeah. The, what their strategies down at Alvataria are so strange when it comes to wet weather. <laughs> Germany twenty eighteen. <laughs> It's not even raining and they put full wet. Full wet. It's not even inter. This ain't, this ain't F2. This ain't no soft to full wet tire. There's an intermediate tire in between. That was yeah, bolts. and then they went back onto softs or ultra softs at the time and then went on to inter. Yeah. And that was then how, went on to uh, wet again. That was, that was how Brendan Hartley got his first F1 point because they completely screwed Gastly. That was bizarre. Like, it was a little bit of rain. Interme- intermediates? Nah. Nah, son. Oh, wet. Full wet. Full send. Box, box. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I can understand why they put the soft on because if you were to put, like Sebastian Vettel talked about after the race, how you lose all temperature in the tyre. It made yeah. logical sense, depending on what radar you were looking or who your weather people were, that perhaps the soft may have been a way to go if it wasn't that bad. And again, like, like Norris didn't know it was going to get as heavy as that. So, 
I can understand the thinking. It just didn't, it just obviously just didn't work. So I, I, I will yeah. give them that. Like they did try something completely different and who knows, in an alternate reality, it may have worked, but just not, not on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, still baffled that Yuki's got this 2022, 2022 contract, but whatever. Mm-hmm. We move. Um, There's a, a driver that, should be on the grid. <laughs> Not going to be on the grid. Cough, yeah. cough, so an Australian. Yeah, well, we could talk about F2 uh, next week. Next week! Uh, I Again, we've kind of talked about Giovinazzi, we've talked about Ocon in their particular races, kind of Giovinazzi nowhere. Ocon kind of screwed a little bit with the early stop. Um, yeah, I'm not going to throw Ocon into that. Was, I had him down, but it was sort of... Uh, it really, really, yeah. didn't really get the picture with Scott with them highlights. Yeah, Giovinazzi no. was just awful. From practice two to where he spun and put it in a wall and the car started doing uh, somersaults with its <laughs> rear wing. That was funny to see. <laughs> so I know we like to shit on Ocon, but I will I will happily give him a pass here. Just It was just one of those strategy things that didn't work out for him. Uh, yeah, so. and uh, it's not a great track any, anyway, Ocon, so I don't think anybody really cares. I think he actually likes this track, actually. <laughs> to be fair. saying that, I like it. I do like it on the on the F one games, but it's just the uh, the penalties. They're uh, not fun. Second last race we're going to be having as uh, Sochi before we move to the uh, Igora, Igora Drive, Drive, as we talked about yes. earlier this year. Which uh, some more photos came out about the uh, work going on this week for that. I kind of so like it. The... It's uh, an interesting. Well, one. it should be. Well, now this was by far the best Russian Grand Prix, but. In theory, it's got the potential to be better as a whole than Sochi. So it won't be too hard, I'm sure. Yes, but again, with all tracks, we give them the pass. Because a lot of it, I think, is down to the cars and probably being shite. Yeah, I would, as hazard guess, and probably say you're right. But we'll, yeah, oh, jeez, Pirelli. Not one person, not one person, apart from Sonoda on that wild uh, chase, not one person used the uh, soft compound tires in the race. So, yeah. Tells you what you need to know. Um, do you have any other losers? I don't really. We don't talk about that American team, so no. <laughs> <laughs> they're, just, they're just constant losers, aren't they? Yeah, point. I suppose so. Although Mick did a decent job in Q2 out qualifying uh, Giovinazzi, which was oof. Yeah. Oof. And then obviously, yeah, they both got their best starting positions because of the stupid amount of engine penalties. So that's the most engine penalties we've had in one race since like Belgium 2017, 2016, maybe. Yeah, it's around then where there was just everyone like Alonso had a 120 place grid penalty. <laughs> I love them days. They were so much fun trying to work out who's got how many grid penalties this weekend. Yes, I think they did change the rules after 2016 because that was a bit of a. Yeah. Him and the same, Alonso and Hamilton is a bit of a farce. So it was. Yeah. I will yeah. say this. Um, Schumacher had a rough start. Mazepin, much better start. I will say that. Much. Yeah, he dropped like a stone, didn't he, Schumacher? He was at the back instantly mm-hmm. from what I saw. Uh, any other th- losers of the weekend before we move on, I suppose? No, not really. Um, Pretty good race, to be fair. Yeah, definitely the best Russian Grand Prix. Uh, I, I suppose the only other one that would have come close would have been 2015. When you had the Rus- <sighs> you had the Raikkonen, Bottas stuff at the end. But that was not, it wasn't a good race on a whole. That no. it was, uh, this was a good race from start to finish because everyone was mixed up, and then obviously the rain just even added even more. 
which mm-hmm. I think I love them kind of races. It reminded me of um, the German Grand Prix when uh, Marcus Winkelhock was uh, leading for a lap when it all just the rain just suddenly came, and you you, you won lap before it was it was damp, mm-hmm. and then you came around the next time and you couldn't see a damn thing at turn six today. Unreal, and then obviously Norris skidded off, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'm just seeing here on race fans is that kind of uh, Alonso kind of ruining the look, I guess, of his, uh, of his race, because I've talked about how he's in front of, he was in front of Verstappen, of course, Verstappen finished P2. Um, yeah, there was a podium there for Alpine, I think, today, and mm. um, uh, so Alonso, I think, I th- it's a quote Alonso, I think we should have on the podium today in terms of ex- executing the race and driving. Um, and then, end quote, and we were in front of Verstappen, this is a quote, we we're pulling away from him. We were in front of Science. Norris did an amazing race, and just by luck, he's not on the podium or his first ever win in, in Formula One. When it rains, it's just a very, it's just a very lucky factor, and I'm sad because we are not competitive. Because when we are not competitive and we are P11 or 12, it never rains, so we never get lucky. And today we are P3 today, and it just rained. So not sad, but definitely we are not very lucky. He kind of talked about Norris as well and kind of that look involved for him as well. So He raised Norris very highly. Yeah, very much so. Uh, but Alonso went on to say, I'm very proud of the team, of the progress. We're working towards a very strong team and looking for next year, hopefully the package is competitive out of the factory. But the team here at the race weekend is ready to fight. Mm. So, uh, yeah. There's nothing else really coming out of the aftermath of the uh, Russian Grand Prix. So, uh I really think that's it. Again, F3 kind of wrapped up at the weekend. F2 continued. Uh, we'll talk about that next week because there's an off week. There's two weeks between now and the Turkish Grand Prix. But have you any other kind of overarching kind of thoughts or anything of the sort heading out of the Russian Grand Prix that we haven't really touched on already? Race rating. Race rating out of 10. It did get quite quiet in the middle part. Yes, I obviously I, once again I did not see this, but um, but for drama and overall, I could, I think I won't I won't go ten because there was a kind of a dull part of the race, so I was I will but the part that did we get kind of when it did get going it sparked, so I will say I'll say nine nine and a half kind of range. I, I was going to go eight and a half, mm. so yeah, obviously just because it was the same two at the front again, but. Yeah. yeah, like if Norris had won, it'd been a ten. I just think for the when it did pop off, it popped off like it like shit hit the fan. So I will say for that reason, and there was going to be overtaking stuff at the start of the race as well. To be fair, so yeah, yeah. I think for that reason, that's fair. So yeah, uh, so yeah, the so the I guess the big I think the big takeaway is that this uh, this drivers' championship is. Uh, it's going, to go going down, down to the wire, uh, I think. Yeah, Christian Horner said the same thing. It's going to go down to the down to the wire, but uh, you'd have to say probably advantage Red Bull. I would, you'd probably say, and Verstappen after these uh, these two these last two races here. Yeah, hundred percent. So uh, that should be a absolute hoosh heading down the stretch. The next race is at Turkey. So Verstappen, the Verstappen wasn't looking forward to this one, having spoken in Portugal, given the how slippery the track conditions were, because Portugal, I believe, is resurfaced, and the slipperiness was a big talking point last year. It's going to be a talking point again this year. So look forward to that. Mm. That may 
favour Hamilton somewhat. We'll see how things are when we get to Turkey. But yeah, uh, that is where F1 heads next. Hopefully it's a dry one. Yeah, hoping for a dry one. I actually one. want to see the car, the cars going around there in the dry. Mm-hmm. Would be nice. Both days, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind it was Saturday, but yeah. As long as Sunday's dry, I don't care. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. That is going to do it for another edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. Hope you enjoyed. It was certainly a lot of fun to break this one down. There's a lot to it. Uh, super fun, though. This the, that, that dynamic at the end of the race was uh, super fun, even if uh, even if Norris sadly had his uh, had his maiden F1 win kind of taken away from him. Yes, but I'm going to get my maiden F1 win before Norris does. <laughs> oh, that's, that's yeah, you laugh. That's harsh, man. I mean... I've been signed up to Haas, so I don't, I don't know what you're laughing at. Mm-hmm. Sure, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to IndyCar. We didn't mention IndyCar and Callum. No. Um, I I knew I knew about it, but I I guess just further, I I guess I can see it more as kind of fitting into the F2 kind of talk and that last seat for yes, because you're basically connecting F2 to F1 the stage of that last Alpha Romeo seat, so. Which again, mm-hmm. like like you mentioned earlier, that's Gio, I think that's Giovinazzi. That that's it. Like that. If it wasn't already for Guan Yu, like, did, you, did you like my video title last week, the Joes in one? No. When do I ever like your terrible puns? You like them? No. I, I really don't. I thought that was tough I've here. Said I've said this time and time again, and you still pump pump them out, pumping that content out. I will not and be it's... undeterred by the criticism. I mean, I'm going to keep criticising because how terrible. I am the Lewis Hamilton of the puns. I will not be deterred by criticism. I will... They're not blessed. <laughs> they are. They're not. They're absolutely shite. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure everybody agrees with me. They, are, they look at them. They look at the podcast title and they're like, right, okay. Sure. To be honest, I'm actually, I actually don't even know what I'm going to name this one, to be honest. <laughs> I, I know what I'd call it. What was the name you said earlier? Uh, you said something. Blind Canadians, I don't know. So, what, was, what was the one you have in mind then? Oh, it was going to be Blind Canadian Hits German, but. <laughs> <laughs> man in Green Car takes out Man in Green, green Car. car. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Well, <laughs> my thanks as always uh, for listening. Thank you for joining. Uh, yeah. I've been Graham. I have been Ricardo Rosette. If you can name the team, bonus points. Shit. Arrows? You're along the right lines. They're not a team anymore. And there was at the back. What year are we talking? 98. 1998. You wouldn't go Minardi two weeks in a row. <gasps> no. Tyrrell. Indeed. Boom. Big Tyrrell. Yes, I was looking at Minardi because they got some interesting drives this week, but no, I went one up and went with uh, Big Tyrrell. Big man Ken Tyrrell. I always love love Tyrrell. Not gonna lie. (laughs) Soft spot on my heart for Tyrrell. Yes. That's been me. That's been him. And uh, we shall see you next week. Bye.